Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Alright, so I want to ask some questions and I want to start off and I want you to feel free to say some answers out loud. Can we do that? All right. Last week we spoke about time to nurture. The week before that we spoke about what a time. I feel like these weeks are flying by. It's almost like I started thinking about a message that I preached. And I said, oh yeah, I preached this last week. And I look at the date and I'm like, wow, it's been two months already. And um, uh, maybe for you guys, you're like, not for us. For me, time is staying still. But I don't know. I blink and it's already the end of the week. And you're just like, what is happening? It's, qu- it's going quick. Um, and I pray and I believe that that may be for good. But as time is going by, I, I want to make sure that what the Lord speaks to us flies by and that we don't stop and we don't um, pause and really think about what it is that God is speaking to us. Uh, one of the most beautiful things and powerful things and beneficial for you that you can do is throughout the week really go back and, and continue to revisit that which the Lord has spoken and don't let it quickly just, don't let it quickly just um, run out. You know, we, we live in a consumer world. We live in a world where like, feed me, give me more, give me more, give me more, give it to me quick, give it to me quick, give it to me quick, give it to me now, give it to me, and give me something new. And, um, and it's almost like when we go to church sometimes, or when we go, like when you watch a show, or when you go to church, or anything, you just want to be like entertained quickly, or you want a new maybe word, a new message, and and give it to me fresh, give it to me new, give it now, let me download it real quick. And sometimes when the Lord works, it's not like that. Sometimes it'll be the same word, and that same word could last for a very long time. And that's okay to be at that place. So, so train yourself or discipline yourself not to move so quickly from what God may be speaking to you. Amen? Sometimes you have to just sit in there for a little while. Sometimes you have to go through that process, and you have to go through that growth um, with the Lord. Don't come before his presence saying, Lord, give me something fresh, give me something new. And uh, he's like, I can't jump to the new thing um, if I'm still trying to do the same work in your life. Amen? So I want to I do this. I want to continue with Time for Nurture. So it's part two of last week's message. It's really a continuation. And as we were speaking about nurturing last Sunday, we got into two points. And in those two points, we got into a lot of things. We said, where are the nurturers? Point number one. And point number two, that God raises up nurturers in hard times. And one of the places that we stayed on was on Joseph in Genesis chapter 50, where Joseph was one who was, we could say, betrayed and many other things. But he got to a point of his life where he saw how life did a full circle. And everything that was being done in his life was actually, it looked evil, it looked wrong, it looked dark. But it was for his good, it was for the glory of God. And he actually confesses that in his later years. He says something like we said last week where the evil that you meant against me, God has turned it around for good. And what does Joseph's life come to? It comes to a place now where he's going to decide, I could kill these guys right in front of me for everything they've done to me, or I could get even with them, or I could be a nurturer and show them a part of God that they've never seen. And Joseph takes that. He takes it upon himself to nurture his brothers and to really save a whole nation. Now, what's so special about that is that Joseph would have never been able to do that, we've learned, if he himself did not open his heart, his life to be nurtured. You can't nurture anyone if you yourself are not being nurtured. Yes? So here's the question I have. I hope you really worked hard and sought for yourself and really aimed this last week to find moments in how you can nurture yourself. So I want to ask some of you, this last week, that from last Sunday, seven, the last seven days, how have you found moments in your life to nurture yourself? Go ahead. I hope someone has. I will take your silence as 
this week, you need to do better in nurturing yourself. Amen? But if you have and you did it um, with um, reverence or, or with conviction in your heart, knowing I have to, re- I have to nurture myself, what, are, what is something that you did for yourself to be a strength for someone else? Anyone? No one. So good. And then um, on my way to the YMCA, I put worship music and I just really try to get into God's word because unfortunately, I'm always on the go, go, go. So I can't sit and read the Bible. I fall asleep. (laughs) So on the way to wherever I'm traveling, I just put on God's word or however, whatever little time I can get in there, you know? Yeah, it's good. And that's been helping me. It's good. That's beautiful that you, you found it in yourself to say, I'm going to set in my calendar a moment for me. I'm going to go on a date with myself here. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Me time. All right. And she needed nurturing in her life to be a better mother and a better support for her kids. Anyone else? What did you find that was important for you to nurture yourself? Anyone? What was that again? <laughs> Anyone? All right. So this is what you should do. This is what you should do. Today's Sunday. Maybe, maybe some of you don't work tomorrow. Um, but it doesn't matter whether you work or, or you do. You still have the rest of the week. Find moments throughout the days. If you could do it every day, do it every day. But find a moment to say, how can I spend? And I'm not saying it has to be an hour or it has to be half a day. You have to figure out what works every day for you. And say, how can I find this time to really just nurture myself to get my mind right to get my heart right to get my spirit right and think about the importance of nurturing yourself what does that mean doing it with god how is god involved in that what is god doing so that way you could be better for the people that are in your life really focus on that amen nurture Nice and loud, so I won't go here. Uh, 
very. Because my physical, I already do as well. Um, and then I got together with my brother and son, and we sharing uh, back and forth about the scripture that we're getting ready for a message for ministry on Wednesday. So Wednesday, the son and I are going to be that's good. You know, he that was something that was something interesting that he said. He felt in his life he had to deactivate certain accounts, certain social media accounts. And um, I wanted to start off today with talking about the poison ivy and the flowers again. But he noticed that he was nurturing something that in return wasn't nurturing some good back in return. It was actually taken away from him. And if you remember last week I said, well, part of nurturing is also cutting off. And sometimes we need to cut off things in our lives that are not nurturing us back in return. So sometimes we nurture the wrong things. We nurture poison ivy rather than nurturing on flowers. So, so, so that was a good um, uh, example of, ex of that point of, hey, I had to cut this off because it wasn't for my good. Um, I, I, and now he's seen um, good rise up in his life because he's nurturing into something different. That's good. Anyone else? I don't want to steal from you. Or anything like that, uh, or, or pass you by anyone else? I can relate to what you did. But instead of, since I used my uh, uh, Instagram account for my business, what I did was just muted a couple of people or blocked people. <laughs> so, um, so it's just things that I don't want to pass through here that goes into my soul, or things that, I, that, that that person or whatever they post can affect me and my relationship and doesn't feed me the right way, instead of just full on, like, you know, just, okay, I need to get away from this, and not also see the benefits that I also have with social media that I need to post for my business and stuff like that, I just decided to put those things and block those things away from me. Very good. Very good. Love that. I pray that you would have testimonies and examples in your life um, how nurturing is growing in you in the weeks to come. Amen? Think about that. So, so what can you start doing today when you leave here uh, to nurture yourself, to nurture others? Um, think about that. Discipline yourself in that because I really feel that this is, these are the days that we're living in. This is, for the, this is the moment that we're, we're going for. And it's if I'm going to be any kind of nurturer, I need to make sure that I'm at a good place. Um, don't try to get everyone at a good place when you yourself are not at a good place. It needs to start with us getting at a good place so that way we could get others in a good place. All right? All right. Don't, don't, don't be chugging poison while telling someone else, don't drink that poison. It's bad for you. Trust me. It's not good for you. Take it from me. I'm drinking it. You know, don't, don't do that. Work on yourself so you can work in others. All right? Praise God. Um, if you feel like you want to share something at any point, um, just towards the end, raise your hand before I close, and I'll, I'll call on you, and you can share something about nurturing. Amen? All right. Point number one. What was it again? What did we say uh, last week? Point number one. Where? All right. You guys didn't take notes last week? <laughs> All right. Point number one. We said, where are the nurturers? Yes. We spoke about where are the nurturers, and, uh, and we talked about what that means. We're called to be a provider, a model, a, a nourisher, a mentor. Point number two, he raises up nurturers in hard times. We spoke about Joseph. Point number three, I told you to write it down last week. If you didn't, write it down now. It is God's plan for us to nurture. It is God's plan for us to nurture. Say that with me. It's plan for me to nurture. Amen. It is his plan. I believe this. It is his design for me, for you, for us uh, to nurture the hungry to nurture the tired, to nurture the thirsty. If you're tired of running, it's going to be hard for you to strengthen the other runner that is tired of running. Um, what you might do is you might just say, hey, let's just quit together. <laughs> That's not necessarily the good place to be at. You want to be each other's encouragement, not discouragement. Um, discourage people. Will discourage people. Miserable people would want to make other people miserable. Um, and, and that's the reality of it. So it's God's plan. It's his design for us to nurture people that are hungry and thirsty, those that are tired. And I thought about that and I said, you know, 
if God's plan and design for me is to nurture others, then I've come to this truth in my life. Hopefully, one, maybe I could sh- one of you share this with me. I need to stop making excuses before the Lord. Are any of you good at making excuses? Just like, well, Lord, this is the reason. Well, not right now is not the time. Well, Lord, I'm feeling this kind of way. What they are is excuses. They're just excuses. That's all they are. They might, you might feel like it's your truth. But when it comes to God's ears, they're just excuses. It's like Moses, for example. He had an amazing truth. When he stood before the Lord and the Lord says, hey, um, go speak to Pharaoh. You're going to free millions of people from Egypt. The, he's like, I, 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 I can't speak is what he was saying. Instantly, Moses says, I have a great excuse. And my excuse is, words don't come out of my mouth to go speak before kings. Are you, it's impossible for me to do that. Now, what's interesting about Moses is this. Do you not think that God... Like, did God know that or not? Like, when he told Moses, oh, that's right, I forgot. I should have told your brother Aaron to do it instead of you. Like, God didn't make a mistake when he said, Moses, go speak to the king. It wasn't like he twisted God's arm and, and God was like, man, that's a, you're, that's a great ex- excuse. You're actually 100% right. I'm so sorry, Moses. I should have considered your disability. But God says no. Because in, the, in your disability, in that in which you feel you're not able to do, when you begin to walk in obedience, you're going to see that all your ability is found in me. You in your own strength are disabled, but you in my strength are more than able. And I love that about like the Bible. It's just, there's so much depth in it, and then there's so much simple stuff in it. It's like Moses like, I can't do it. If you haven't noticed, I stutter a lot. I have a speech impediment and I can't release the words the way I would want to before a king. That's an excuse. As good as, and as reasonable as it was, it's an excuse. And I'm sure that I know I share with Moses and I'm sure that many of us share with Moses, we give excuses. We give excuses. Not only do we give excuses, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand for this one because I don't want you to feel all kind of weird and all that or offended, but you give accusations. You, you begin to accuse. If it's not an excuse, then I might as well accuse. Well, the reason why I don't is because they're all like that or because they didn't see. And it's, it, and it's like, stop accusing people. And stop accusing him and accusing her and accusing them. Like, stand up and be honest for yourself that you are the one that has serious issues. You are the one that needs to walk in obedience. You are the one that needs to deal with those things. Let God deal with them. Your issue is not to, or your point is not to sit there and say, well, since I'm right, I'm just going to accuse everyone of how they're wrong. No. Your problem is just continue to get right. Hopefully, it's so Holy Spirit filled and led that those that you're actually accusing, you become a blessing and you strengthen them to begin to get alongside you and run the race with you. Think about that for a moment. Come on. Because I know what it means to accuse sometimes, many times. Well, it's their fault. It's his fault. It's her fault. Damn, they stink. They suck. They, she, they did this. It was really their fault. It's not about me. What is that? That's pride. That's ego. Don't you better never say it was me. You better never say I'm the one with the issue. You know very well that if you have an issue with me, it's always you. Baloney, man. It's a nice word, okay? Baloney is a nicer word than another word I could have said. Baloney. That's ego. That's pride. Can you tell that I've just been wrestling with God for a little while? Man, I love it. <laughs> Me and God have been having awesome conversations. <laughs> God's like, you're prideful. <laughs> like, I know. Stop making excuses and stop accusing when you're actually called to feed. Amen? But, but, but I have a great excuse. Good, but you're not called to give excuses and you're not called to accuse. You're called to feed. You're called to feed. 
It's time to nurture. And if we are the church during this age, there's something that the church should be doing, and it's feeding. Because last time I checked, we live in a hungry, thirsty, and tired world. It's time to feed. I too have made some changes in my life, some in social media, some in my personal devotion to the Lord that I'm being more disciplined in and, and so forth because I've had to come to the place to look at the mirror and say, I have to stop making excuses and I have to stop accusing. The real issue here is, why did I stop feeding? So what I have to do is go back and keep feeding. Go back and keep being fed so then that way I could go and continue to feed. It's God's plan for you to nurture. Can you say that one more time? It's God's plan for me to nurture. Come on, say it. It's God's plan for me to nurture. Stop giving excuses. Stop accusing others. You're called to feed. Amen. A couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago or whatnot, we spoke about the feeding of the 5,000. Remember that message? We spoke about um, Revelation that day. And uh, we talked about the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus was to teach his disciples that day as well as the crowd. And he was supposed to, there's so many different avenues that we spoke about that we could take on the feeding of the 5,000. But I want to revisit it, not in depth as we did a couple weeks ago, but just over the top, just, to, just because of one statement that I, that I was reminded of. I think you're going to be blessed by this statement. Remember Jesus says, all right, feed the crowd. Feed the crowd, feed them. I like that he says, feed them. I like that he says, nurture them. Nurture the crowd, feed them. And, and, and I, I really enjoy how the disciples think it's a joke, kind of probably deep in their heart. And they look at him and it says, well, how in the world can we feed them? Have you not seen that we don't even have enough money to do that? How can we feed them? You're telling us to feed. How can we feed? I just told you that you're called to stop giving excuses and you're called to stop accusing that you're called to feed. When we said that, did you sit here and say, but how can I feed? Did any of you say that? As, as soon as we said, you got to stop with the pride and stop with your ego, just like me. We're sharing this stuff together. We're being very open and transparent here today at church. And did you in your heart say, yeah, but I still don't know how I could feed. And that's exactly where the disciples were. They walked with Jesus, and yet they're saying, we don't know how to feed. Dude, he raises dead people like it's nothing. I think food is not an issue for him. <laughs> but for them, it was all about what they did not have compared or alongside to what was with them and to what he did have. In our lives, we, how many of us say, I mean, I walk with Jesus. We walk with Jesus. We walk with Jesus. Yeah? Say that. We walk with Jesus. But as we say we walk with Jesus, how many of us, as we walk with Jesus, have also said, but I don't have what it takes. We walk with Jesus, but I got no food to feed. Think about what that means in the spiritual for us. So they said, how do we feed them? In John chapter 6, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother, Peter's brother says to him, here is the phrase or here's the word, catch it, that, was, that I was reminded of. He says, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and has two small fish. You've heard that before? But look at this next part of that statement. I love this. But, but, what are they among so many? I want you to really see the struggle in Andrew's mind and in Andrew's heart. What was the question? I just said it, guys. What did Jesus tell them to do? Feed them. Sorry, that was, that was, the, that was the command. What was the command? Feed them. What was the reply? We got bread. We got fish, but, but it's not enough. The real answer was, oh, okay, I'll start handing out the bread and the fish. That's it. That's what the answer should have been. But 
What Andrew does is he says, I got bread, we got fish, but it's still not enough. And that's the problem with humanity right there. That, Lord, sometimes we feel that what you've given us is not enough to accomplish the purpose that you've called us into, which is to feed. So you've given us the material to feed, but we question your command with, what is it that I have among so many that need to be fed? Is it even possible? Do you see the struggle that we have as humans? You see the struggle that we have because we look at everything from a natural perspective? Because it, he was right. It, from a natural or, or ready, scientific or a whatever kind of way you want to look at it, he was 100% right. If there was 15 to 20,000 people, as scholars say they were, we all know that five cracker breads and two fish is not enough for them. Because a lot of us are Hispanic, and we know that five Cuban breads is still not enough for that many people. And we could feed a lot of people with five Cuban breads. So the problem there with us is the natural and, the, and, and what they thought. The, the, the beauty behind chapter 6 of John verse 9 is, what is what I have among so many? What is what we have among so many? What are they among so many? What would you consider that as Andrew replies back to Jesus in such a way? Fear? Disobedience, I think I heard someone say? Lack of something I heard? Lack of faith? Lean on your own understanding? I'm going to be very, very simple. I think it's an excuse. I have five. Jesus never asked them, how much food do you have? Jesus just asked them, feed them with what you have. He didn't say, hey, wait a minute, let's have a powwow. So how much food can you all come up with? That's what we do. We have, we have what? We have meetings, and what do we do? We raise money. What do we do? What businessman can we call? What grants can we get from the banks? And we do all these things to make sure we could get money. And never once did we stop and say, wait a minute, let's pray and fast and come before the Lord because maybe he could make five loaves and two fish. Maybe he could feed a multitude with it. Maybe we don't need to go to a bank. Maybe we don't need to go to a businessman. Maybe all we need to do is be obedient and go to God. No, you guys didn't like that. I think that's a good idea. Let's go to God. Someone comes up to you and says, so what have you done in your life to help that? Well, I've done this and I've done that and I've gone there and I've been here and I met with this person. I spent money on this and I tried to get help here. And you ask the question of all questions. What have you done with what God has given you? With what God has said? Have you been obedient to that? Maybe you haven't seen the miracle because you haven't seen the miracle. It was too little for you. What are they among so many? Come on. What are they among so many? It's an excuse. And Jesus is not telling them, let's come up with a strategic plan to feed the thousands. It was very simple. He just wanted to know if you'll be obedient in my word. And would you nurture, you should write this down, would you nurture with what you have? I believe in our lives and in the time that we're living in, that we're called to nurture with what we have. Be obedient to that because as we nurture with what we have, I believe the Lord will multiply that. The Lord will surprise us. He'll show up. And next thing you know, we'll see the multitudes being nurtured. And we walked into it knowing that all we had was this. And yet look what God did. He did so much with what I thought was unreasonable. Listen, difficult moments can cause us to make excuses. Difficult moments can cause us to accuse others. How many during these difficult moments that we've been living in, have you seen or heard people just accuse others? I have. If the orange man couldn't do it, then the, then the sleepy guy can't do it. And the, I mean, we're always accusing. We're accusing that Christian and this Christian. 
We're accusing this brother and that brother and that sister and that family member and that, bro- and that, and that neighbor. Or we're giving excuses. Difficult moments can cause man to make excuses. We're in a difficult moment here, Lord. We're all hungry. We're sunbeaten. We're starving. There's a crowd. They've been following us for hours from, from region to region. This is not good. They're frustrated. They're anxious. They're feeling all kinds of way. And when they thought their day was over, Jesus says, feed them. They're in a difficult moment. Maybe they felt unprepared. Maybe they all looked at Judah, um, Judas. Hey, you are the one that holds the money. What have you done? You weren't prepared for this. They, maybe, they, maybe they felt they should have had enough food. Maybe they all felt they should have been ready for such a moment because you never know. Jesus is kind of crazy and he always calls us to do some crazy things we should have been ready for such a moment and all these things that could have come before the lord all these different excuses all they could have accused each other peter could have said it's judas's fault judas could have said peter it's your fault peter could have said andrew and who knows what was going on there we don't have all the details of the story we just know what the lord wanted us to show us but difficult moments can cause us to do that and be like this but what the lord wants is different the Lord wants to, to use them and to, to strip them and to strip you, to strip me. Come on, let's be very honest here. He wants to strip us from our comfort. I love that one brother said, hey, just open. He stood up, hey. I'm like, what is he going to say? And he just said, I, I detached myself from social media accounts. That's pretty bold. Because what he's saying is, I'm stripped from that which I felt comfort in. I wasted time in that. And I felt like it was taking so much. And, and God wants to, I believe that during this time, the Lord wants to strip us from our comforts and from our earthly reasoning in order to activate heaven's agenda. And that we would become the salvation of the Lord upon this land. But we can never become nurturers in the salvation of the Lord upon this land if we're filling ourselves with the comforts of this world and with the reasoning of this world. How many of you... Noticed already that this world has no natural reasoning. There's no reasoning. Today it's yellow and tomorrow it's blue. And next Sunday, listen, next Sunday when we come together, there's going to be five different things that were said this Sunday compared to next Sunday. Why? Because things are changing. We're seeing that man's words are fickle. Laws are fickle. Scientists are fickle. Medicine is fickle. Sickness is fickle. Today, this person can't get it anymore. Now they say, oh, wait a minute. All, all these people are getting COVID. Now. Like, no one knows anymore. Do kids get it or not get it? And then there's a school. The whole school has it. Like, whoa. Why? Because he's, he's dealing with earthly reasoning. He's dealing with your foundation. He's dealing with the things that you trust in. He's dealing with that which you've placed all your hope in. Oh, but God's put man in this world. And so has the enemy. The enemy uses man in this world too. I'm not trying to tell you that everyone that has a voice is from the devil and has horns and and they're lizard people. I'm not weird like that. All I'm trying to tell you is, do you have heaven's agenda in your heart? And are you operating in obedience? Are you saying, wait a minute, I'm called not to give excuses and not to accuse everyone. I got to just lay back, cut off things in my life, really focus where I'm at in my life. And if there's one thing that I need to do is I need to begin to nurture myself so that in the time that I'm living in, I could fully and healthy in a way, in a manner which is good for others, nurture them. And that's the reality of what we're called to. That's who you and I are. We're not like, Lord, all we have is five loaves of bread and two fish. If you would have just made me a little bit more like Tito, maybe I could sing. If you would have made me a little bit more like that person, I could preach better. If you would have made me a little bit more like that person, maybe I could... Excuses? Well, you know, the reason why I'm really not serving the Lord is because my last church hurt me. That's it. You're... That's an excuse and an accusation. Your last church hurt you, so, so they're, all, they're bad. That's an evil church. Excuses and accusations. At the end of the day, where's God taking you to nurture yourself? At the end of the day, how is he doing a work in you to nurture others? How many of you could say Amen. You may be hearing like, oh, I don't know what to do. What I have, what is that among so many or among so much evil, so much confusion, so many voices. 
And all I could say is you are just enough and just exactly what God wants to use you for this day. Though there are many you can blame and many reasons why you shouldn't do, consider today that it's God's plan for you to nurture. Yeah, but my aunt drives me really crazy. Go to her house, have the heart of Jesus, be nurtured, and learn to nurture that crazy aunt. Amen? Do you love this church? Nurture people. Do you think your aunt, who has so much hurt and bitterness and anger in her heart, I just said aunt, if your aunt's crazy, trust, and I had a conversation with you, I forgot about that. I, the first thought that came up to me was aunt. I can say cousin if you want, uncle, whatever makes you feel like I'm not pointing at you. But do you think that relative of yours, you going to their house and stirring the pot and fighting darkness with darkness and words with words, do you think that's going to do any good for her heart, for his heart? But what about we take off their shoes and we begin to learn to wash feet again? And we could say, aunt, uncle, cousin, friend, I just want to serve you. I want to nurture you. And I'm telling you that what you have is just enough. Don't put so much blame and don't think that you can't do. Today, it's God's plan and design for you to nurture someone else. Amen. What are they among so many? Let's say it one more time. What, is, what are they among so many? I, I forgot the phrase, sorry. What are they among so many? You know, how the Lord, you know how the Lord responds to that? All right, verse 2 of Mark chapter 8, same story. Mark's account says this. Have compassion. <laughs> I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. So one disciple is complaining that they don't have enough. And Jesus is saying, hey, all I have is compassion for them. And my compassion is going to do a miracle here. If I send them away hungry, verse 3, to their own houses, they will faint on their way. For some of them have come from afar. Verse 4, then his disciples answered, how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? And they're still not getting it. Hey, the Lord has compassion. He gives them this whole, this whole input. Like if they go to their homes, they're going to faint. I can't let them go hungry. Some of them have come from a long ways. And yet, but how can we satisfy these people here? What did the disciples forget? I did some studying of the scriptures and I figured it out. The disciples forgot that just a short time ago, Jesus encountered the Samaritan woman at the well. Have you ever studied or read the Samaritan woman at the well? It's in John chapter 4. I just read from John chapter 6. A couple pages or two chapters to the left before, something very important happens. And the disciples forgot. They forgot in John chapter 4, the woman at the well, the disciples told Jesus, that he was hungry and that he looked a little weary and maybe he should go and eat. Look at verse 31, John 4, 31. I'm going to read it. Remember what just happened. We're feeding the 5,000. And the disciples are saying, how can we feed them with so little? And he's like, I have compassion for them. I can't send them home. He's like, yeah, but with what we have, how can we satisfy these people? What did they forget? You guys, I keep teaching you stuff. Aren't we like that? And two chapters ago, did you forget what I did with the Samaritan at the well? Well, here it is. Verse 31. Samaritan woman at the well. His, dis his disciples urged him, urged Jesus. And look what they tell him. Rabbi, eat. Are you guys seeing that? We're learning here a little bit today. Rabbi, eat. <laughs> two chapters later, the rabbi is saying, disciples, feed. Two chapters earlier, the disciples are saying, Rabbi, eat. See that? So he's spending a day with a woman at the well. He's, he's teaching them a, a beautiful lesson. And because of that woman, she was going to evangelize her whole town and win all the, the leaders of that town for Jesus. I mean, she becomes a great evangelist there. I mean, 
at the end of the discourse here, and at the end of this little encounter between the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and Jesus, the disciples kind of come up to him like, hey, what were you doing talking to that crazy lady? And they saw him, and he looked hungry, and he looked tired. And the thing that they told him was, it's time for you to eat, Rabbi. Now you and I probably would be like, it's true. Like on a Sunday, if you tell me it's time to eat, I'm going to look at you and say, where's the closest sushi spot? I love sushi on Sundays. What do you like to eat? You know, whatever it is. Rabbi, it's time to eat. And in verse 32, it's mind-blowing what Jesus tells them. He says to his disciples who see that, hey, this guy should be eating right about now. He says this, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Did you guys see that? Rabbi, eat. Oh, I have food, but you don't know the food that I have. Can you imagine right there, you're there, you're a disciple. You just told your teacher, your Jesus, to eat. And then he comes back to you and says, I have food that you do not know of. What is your mind going to tell you? Is he hiding food from us? <laughs> Did he already Uber eats and not ask what I wanted to eat? Did he ask? Did he get a delivery? Something delivered and we didn't know about him? He didn't ask. Hey. Did Jesus ask you what you wanted on Uber Eats? No, he didn't pass the phone to me. What do you mean you got something to eat? I want you to think about this for a moment. What Jesus is doing here is he's training them, stop reasoning like the world. Come on. He's training them, stop living natural. I've called you to the supernatural. I've called you to reason with heaven, not with this world. Rabbi, eat physical food? No. I have food that you do not know of. I've already eaten. That whole encounter with the woman at the well, what a meal that was. That was from heaven. And I ate manna from heaven right now. I'm so full. Have you ever done something spiritually that you just feel full? You've ever done something obedient to the Lord where you've done God's work and you're just full? And you're like, and someone says, what is it with you? And you're like, I have food you do not know of. What is that? You tapped into the supernatural. You're reasoning beyond the world's reasoning. The disciples continue to think like the world thinks, continue to reason like the world reasons, continue to have a natural mindset, and they, they have the audacity to come up to Jesus and worry about food. Jesus, have you eaten? I think your sugar's dropping a little bit. And Jesus looks at them and says, eating? I have food way beyond your understanding. So the teaching and the care and the love there was not towards Jesus. It was towards the disciples to tell them, I love you so much that when are you going to get it that we have a food to give and the food that we give is not like the food of this world. Two chapters later, he says, feed them. And they look at their food and they say, but we don't have enough food. And again, he says, do you still not have food beyond your understanding? They still looked at the food they had, not at the food that he had. They were still reasoning. It's your plan. It's his, it's his plan. It's his design for you to feed. But it's not to feed the world with the world's food. It's to feed the world with heaven's food, with God's food. And right now, maybe it's food that you do not know of. I'm telling you today, start nurturing yourself starting this week so you can start learning the food that he is speaking of. It's, this is not shallow. This is, this is deep. I want to know the food of heaven so that I could feed someone else that food. But if I don't nurture myself, I'll never know that food. So when I'm called for duty, I'm only going to look at the food that I have and not the food that I know not of yet. Seriously examine yourself. Take inventory. Ask yourself this question. What is the Lord saying here? And obviously we get it. Man, there's so much food beyond bread, beyond water. The feeding of the 5,000, that whole story that we spoke about is way more than just food and water. When Jesus says, I have compassion and I can't let them go home for they're going to faint, it's bigger than just feeding them with water and food. It's a spiritual nourishment. Who will nurture this crowd? 
who will nurture them. So I'm going to ask you this question. Seriously. Who will nurture the crowd? What's the answer? Don't, don't, don't be scared to answer it. Who's going who's gonna to nurture the crowd? We are. We nurture the crowd. Oh, pastor, you need to really humble yourself. How dare you say we nurture the crowd? It's all things through God. Right? But you're only nurturing the crowd if he's nurturing you. So it really is always God. You nurture the crowd because God nurtures you. So I'm going to ask you a question. Are you being fed with God's food and God's water? Why? Why do I have to? So that you could feed others with that same food. That's what I say. All right, so, so what happens? Let's, let's, have, let's take a field trip here. Let's fast forward. We fast forward in time. Jesus dies on the cross. They stick him in a tomb. Three days later, some women go up to him. Hey, he's not there. The angels come. Even Jesus appears. Why are, you look, why are you searching the living among the dead? We know all those statements. His clothes is nice and folded. You know that story, right? Something powerful happens, right? Later on, Jesus is like, let me go check on the disciples. <laughs> let me see what they're doing. Jesus has already resurrected. We, we, we could speak about the ascension and all that. What do the disciples go back and do? Many of them go back to what? To fishing. To fishing. So now God has to come, and we know this story because we preached this three weeks ago. Jesus comes to Peter and says, Peter. And Peter's like, yes, Lord. I think I got. <laughs> and he asks him three powerful questions. What is it? Do you love me? What's the second one? Do you love me? What's the third one? Do you love me? What was Peter's answer to each one of those questions? There were, each question sounded, each question was the same word, do you love me? But each question was different and touching a different part of Peter's heart. So he says, do you love me? It hit something. Do you love me? It hit something else. Do you love me? He said the same question. No, he didn't. He asked three different questions. They all sounded the same. They all sounded like this. Do you love me? But to Peter, he got three different revelations, I believe, with those questions. Do you love me? And every time he says, Lord, you know I do. Do you love me? Lord, I already answered you once. You know I do. By the third time, do you love me? I've already told you twice that I love you, God. If you know anything, you know that I love you. And the Lord says, <laughs> then you should have fed my sheep. You should have tended my sheep. Go now and feed my sheep. Feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. If you say you love me like you say you love me, then you would be living in obedience in the calling that I've called you because it is my plan and it is my design to use those that I love. And if you love me in return, you will be doing exactly what I have planned and designed for you to do. What is it? Feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. You're called to nurture the sheepfold. You stopped nurturing how dare you come to me and say you love me? If you really love me, pick up the plan and design that I have for you. Feed my sheep. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed. Ready? What does it mean? It means to pasture. It means to graze. It's like a farmer. It's a farmer to foster, to grow, to grow land, to the, the plants in the land. That's right. We're on TV, on YouTube. Forgive me. I'm going to get rebuked by Rudy later. All right. <laughs> Forgive us. I just love being down there with you guys. All right. <clears throat> it's a farmer to foster, to grow, to nurture the animals that live there. All of that means feed. It's, it's, it's the role of a farmer. It's a nurturer. Farmers are nurturers. If a farmer doesn't take care of his land, guess what? His land does not produce the fruit that the farmer desires. What does that mean? A farmer nurtures that which he, in return, would what? Want it to nurture him. You see that? That was part one. Nurture that which will nurture back to you. Nurture the good things that are going to nurture you back in return. So what does the farmer do? He takes care of the animals and the plants. Why? Because the animals and the plants are going to take care of him. Yeah? Number two, tend my sheep. Ten means to be a supplier. One means to be a farmer. The second statement means to be a shepherd. Peter, 
You're called to be a farmer and a shepherd, one who supplies, one who cherishes, one who rules over, one who feeds and keeps and nourishes the cattle. You are called, Peter, no longer to be a fisherman. You're called to be a fisher of men. You're called to be a farmer and you're called to be a shepherd. Go and nurture my people. Amen? Zig Ziglar, who's a known, very known, wealthy, taking care of man financially, and he's a sought-out motivational speaker, believer. He says you can get everything you want in life if you just help enough people and other people get what they want. What, what does he mean by that? If you really focusing on nurturing others in return, you're going to learn that that is going to respond to nurturing you back. It's biblical. I don't have time to get into the Proverbs where it talks about fathers nurturing their sons and even spiritual sons because in return, it's a blessing back unto them. So here is my question to you as we wrap this up in point number four. How are we doing as shepherds, as farmers, as nurturers in this land? Number four, everyone write this down. Test your love. Test your love. Write that down. Test your love. <laughs> Why would I say test your love? Because what was the... What was the question that Peter, that Peter was asked by Jesus? Peter, test your love. Lord, you know I love you. Mm. Then why aren't you shepherding? Then why aren't you farming? Why aren't you nurturing? What is he telling Peter to do? Test your love if you say you love me. Test your love. Write that down. Point number four, my last point for today. Test your love. So here it is. It's not just about nurturing those or that which is beneficial to us. Not just nurturing where it's easy. Please listen to this. It's not just nurturing when it's easy or just nurturing those that are easy because as, as man and as humanity, we have the tendency to only nurture as it's easy to us. Oh, man, that person was rough to handle. So you know what? Psh, they just, I just, I can't spend my energy on them. I'm not going to nurture them anymore. No, those are the ones that you need to nurture. It's not easy. You think being a shepherd is easy? First off, when a wolf comes in, you got to protect the sheepfold from, from the wolves. What are you going to do? Give off your staff? Oh, this was an easy job. First off, you're in the sun all day. You're protecting those. Like, it's not easy to be a shepherd and a farmer. And that's what God's called us to be. Nurturers, shepherds, and farmers. Nurturing, even when it's difficult. Nurturing those that are difficult. When the circumstances is difficult. What does Jesus say? He says this, and I want to read the scripture. It's in Luke 14, and I think it touches our heart when it comes to nurturing. It says he turns to the host, and he says this. It's a parable that Jesus gives. I won't have time to get into all of it, but you can study it on your own. Luke chapter 14. I'm going to read verses, uh, sorry, 12 through 14. He says, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he says, don't invite your friends and your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Verse 13, instead you invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. You read this and you're like, hmm, this is pretty hard, this is pretty strong. But I think that the Lord is teaching us something. That, that man, there's, there's scripture that shows us that, hey, we need to nurture and nurture at times when it's against what we want. Against those that we would want to. And sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's different than the world sees it. Because if you're throwing a fundraiser, who are you going to invite for the fundraiser? You're going to invite everyone that has money so that they can invest into that in which you're trying to raise funds for. But you're not going to go to the streets and say, hey, in a van I'm going to pick up 15 homeless people and they're going to come to my fundraiser. And that's God's plan. That's heaven's plan. You want to make some money? You want your business to go well? Go to the streets and pick up these kind of people. And watch how your banquet becomes a success. <laughs> man, it's crazy, man. <laughs> it's wild. What a business strategy that is. Because he's teaching us that, that hey, I know it's times it's really difficult for you. You know, I, I was thinking about a scripture. I'll read it. I have it here, and I was deciding whether I was going to read it today. But there's a scripture in the New Testament that it's really difficult for me. It's one that I would uh, admit that at I really don't like it. <laughs> I know it's, you have to admit sometimes the truth, you know. 
I don't like it. Sometimes I read it. I just read it quick. I don't like to read the scripture. I'm just being very transparent with you. I read the scripture, and at times I'm like, Jesus had to have made a mistake when he said this. I read the scripture. I've studied it because I feel like I needed someone with a much more scholarly mind to really explain this to me because it really bothers me, this scripture. But it's a reminder, it's a truth that we're called to be and live different than this world. How many of you want to hear this scripture? Tell me how you feel when you read this scripture. Matthew chapter 5, verse 39. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. How do you, how do you feel? Come on, you should be so holy and righteous. Like, amen. Slap me harder on this side. That verse is hard, man. It's a strong verse. It's very simple, over the top. He says it quick. But for me, it touches a part. It touches a part. Of, like, someone slaps me on the cheek, turn my cheek, and let them slap me on the other side of my cheek. Like, I don't know how I feel about this. My theology or my mm, doctrine on this is definitely different than Jesus's. <laughs> All right. All joking aside. But seriously, like in the Greek, this means like, when they strike you with an open, so because you know you can read it like if someone slaps you on the right cheek, oh, it's probably like, Papi, like it's not really what you think. Rigo, like it's not as serious. No, it is. In the Greek, it means to strike with an open hand. It's a disrespectful slap. If you're gonna hit me in the cheek, at least close your fist and punch me. <laughs> Don't slap me with an open hand. It's a, it's a strike with, a, with an open hand. It's a real slap in the face. That's what it means in the Greek. So I read this verse and I'm like, geez, I don't know if I like it. And here I am spending so much time on it. I don't know why, but I want us to understand the heart of Jesus here. See, Jesus here, I don't believe at all for once when I read this that he's prohibiting self-defense. I don't believe that. Because there are many scriptures that teach us to give a defense. Throughout the book of Acts, the disciples were to give a defense. They weren't just to play dumb, especially even verbal defense. They were to give a defense for that which is true. But I believe it's deeper than just a fight. I believe it's deeper than someone punching you and don't punch back. I believe it's deeper than that. I believe he is showing us that we must always in our lives apply wisdom. What do you mean? What does this have to do with wisdom? I truly feel that that verse has everything to do with wisdom. I read this and I don't know if I read this in a commentary or if I heard this. Forgive me, but I wrote this down. Oftentimes... Acting in love toward an attacker will often include taking steps to prevent that attacker from attempting further attacks. So what Jesus is teaching is not necessarily be taken advantage of, but the heart of this word here is to always look, look for ways to love and to nurture others rather than always striking back. You're not called to always strike back. Sometimes you're called to show love. And even if it means strike them striking your other cheek. Why? Because if it prevents more danger or if it prevents this person from knowing the heart of God, then it's worth it for me to give that person the other cheek. It's something deeper than just a punch in the face. It's do you apply wisdom do you apply wisdom to know when to shut your mouth and when to open your mouth? When to send the text or not to send the text? To put the post or not to put the post? Learn to love. Learn to nurture. Because you and I, though we are Christians and we're lions and we're warriors, we're not always called to strike back. Sometimes you're just called to hit the mute button and love and nurture. Test your love. Was that for anyone today? What's for me? Do you have sacrificial love? Because in today's darkness, what we need is a genuine light. I thought about this right now. In today's darkness, we don't need a moon. 
We need a sun. Something that just shines. If you're a moon, I guess we could turn it spiritual and say, well, shine that which the sun shines upon you to the world. Because that's biblical as well. But seriously, how are you the light in this dark world? Darkness in this time that we're living in. I'm going to ask T to come up and we're wrapping it. Do you have sacrificial love? Do you have light in today's darkness? In Isaiah chapter 58, it's a reminder and it serves us well today. I'm going to put it up on the screen. Put up chapter 58, verse 11. And why I think this verse is so important is because Isaiah was to confront the hypocrisy in God's people of his day. And if they were to straighten up and come back to obedience, this is what they were to do. Look what the prophet says. He says, the Lord will guide you continually. Look at the nurturing. Giving you water when you are dry. Love that. And restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden. Like an ever-flowing spring. So, there's a lot of context around this passage and so I'm not one to take this scripture and just say, oh, this. you need to know what the context is around this passage. It was a people that were filled with hypocrisy, a people that the prophet had to confront with truth. The people of Isaiah's day had to straighten up their life. The people in Isaiah's day, they needed to live in obedience. And if they chose to straighten and come back to God and live in obedience, there was a plan for their lives. There was a design for their life. And the plan and the design for their life was to be given water during the time of dryness, strength in a time of weakness. Watch this. So that in return, they will be well-watered gardens. So that in return, they will be an ever-flowing spring. What is Isaiah telling his people? You're called to be nurtured so that in return you can nurture the other nations. So that you can live in the plan and the design that God has for you. Which is to be a well-watered garden and to be an ever-flowing spring, to be a nurturer for many others. How many of you can say amen? Nothing changes, man. Scripture, I just quoted Isaiah 58. I could have preached Isaiah 58 and made all the same points that I made today. Nothing changes. That's Isaiah. In Jeremiah, same thing. Nothing changes. We see God's heart for his people. And in the book of Jeremiah, he promises Israel a new covenant that, that they'll be his people, that in him, that they'll always be secure. And look what he tells the people of Israel in his day to the prophet Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 12 tell me if you get something out of this it says they will come home and they will sing songs of joy on the heights of Jerusalem they will be radiant because of the Lord's good gifts the abundant crops of grain the new wine and the olive oil and the healthy flocks and herds and, and herds their life will be here it is like a watered garden and all of their sorrows will be gone. He's telling the people of Israel yet again, this is what I'm calling you for and to be. It's not just for yourself. Work on yourself because it's for others. It's that you could be a well flowing fresh water for others so that you can nurture others in return. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I want you to take a look into your life. Take inventory right there where you're at. Where are you in all of this that is being said? Where are you?
and everything that we've spoken about for the last two weeks. Where do you stand as one who is being nurtured and as one who is doing the nurturing? I would like to do something as a brother to a brother, as a brother to a sister. As you are meditating there on your heart, meditating there in the depths of whatever's going on there inside of you. If you need prayer today, if you just need prayer because you're kind of like feeling like Peter maybe, you went back to like fishing and these last couple weeks the Lord is like, hey, where are you? Do you love me? But so much is going inside. We spoke about the story of two wolves last week. There's so much war going on inside of you. You just need someone just to come with you. Not necessarily just to pray like over you, but just to come alongside you and believe with you and pray with you. If that's you, I'm going to ask you, can you come up? We just want to pray with you. We want to pray that you would be nurtured and learn to be nurtured. We want to pray that you would learn to be a nurturer to others. And as you nurture others, that you would find fulfillment, that you would find nurturing as a response. That you would take the right action. That you would learn to apply wisdom. That you would pick up farming and shepherding again. That you would not wait for anyone else. That God, that you would do the work in me right now and in the days to come so that I could be the work of God in the life of others so that I could be a great nurturer during this time. I'll give you a moment to figure out if you need someone just to come alongside you and pray with you. If you don't, right there where you're at, spend a moment with the Lord. Spend a moment with the Lord there. Cry out to Him. If you feel led to come and pray for someone, these words that we've been speaking today, if you're a woman and you want to pray for one of the women, come up. If you're a man, you want to pray for maybe a man that may come up here, come up. Just pray for them. Pray as a brother, pray as a sister. Help them to nurture. Teach them to be nurtured. Let them learn to apply wisdom in their lives. Come on. Begin to pray for them. Let's spend a moment in His presence.